me to the book of Luke chapter 9. And I want to share, uh, well, I'm going to read several verses, but I want to share about three with you. It says in verse 27, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that Jesus took Peter, James, and John and went up to the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him. They were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. When they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it was good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful and they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. When the cloud had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days of anything that they had seen. Let's pray this morning before we begin. Father, we thank you for this time, this season of life that we're living in. We know that even the things that we're going through today are things that you have ordained. You brought them forth in eternity, and we're now living them in time. But God, we know that you always do what's right. So we thank you. We thank you for the hearts and the minds of men who will turn toward you today, giving your name, praise, and glory. We thank you for those men and women who are speaking a word of life today around the world. We pray that you would add a blessing to their words. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to call this uh, today a glimpse of the ultimate exodus. A glimpse of the ultimate exodus. Now, the Bible gives us some uh, setting here. If you look at verse 27, the Bible says that uh, Jesus said that there were some who would be there who would see the kingdom come. And these men were fortunate enough to be available when Jesus transfigured. So they actually saw that. Now, if you look at first Peter, second uh, Peter, excuse me, you'll see that that the reference that he makes here in verse uh, 17 it's what Peter says, for he received from God the Father honor and glory uh, when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son uh, in whom I'm well pleased. So we saw that we had Moses, Elijah present with Jesus, but we also see, see that Peter, James and John, who were alive, were able to see the glory of God or the kingdom being manifested. They got a glimpse of the kingdom. But the Bible says that uh, as Jesus appeared with these two, uh, there was a conversation taking place. But we need to ask the question, why these two? Why these two? And the Bible says that Moses then was a great lawgiver. Uh, 
Moses was one of those people who had had a mountaintop experience with Jesus. Elijah had also had the same kind of experience. Moses, when he was at Mount Sinai, and uh, 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 we know that uh, Elijah was on the mountain at, at Horeb. So the Bible says that these two had had an encounter with God on a mountaintop where they had been enlightened. But the Bible also says that these people also were two of the ones who had a miraculous ending to their ministry. We know that Moses was uh, uh, taken away by God himself and buried personally by God. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls Moses a friend of God. But then we also see that Elijah was taken away in a chariot of fire and didn't taste death. So these people had miraculous beginnings, miraculous endings. And the Bible said they had an opportunity to sojourn with Jesus, uh, with God on a mountaintop. But the Bible says there's two other things that we need to know. Moses was a giver of the law. What does that mean? The giver of the law. Everything that Moses uh, had received from God was given to the church of Israel. Those people received the law and they kept the law until Jesus came. But the Bible says that Elijah was the, the prophet who spoke of the things that Jesus would deal with the suffering and the dying. And he was also the one, the Bible teaches us, who uh, would also be able to, to tell us of the sufferings of Jesus and what, that we must enter into those sufferings with him. So we have a conversation going on with, with what the Bible refers to as superterrestrials. Terrestrials. <laughs> superterrestrials are people who are above the, 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 the pull of the earth. These are people who are somewhere between heaven and earth. They were all there talking, having a conversation. Now notice something else. The scripture tells us that Peter, James, and John were asleep. They were missing the bulk of the conversation. But the question here is, what were these guys talking about? It's interesting that they were having a conversation, but what was the conversation about? Well, let's talk about two things. Number one, Jesus was concerned about his death or his exodus. He needed some strength. He needed some comfort. You know, if you uh, are in a position where you're getting ready to do something you don't know anything about and, 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 and you know that you have to do it, you have to have some encouragement to be able to do it, to go through it without having uh, a lot of fear or trepidation. Well, we know that Jesus was not fearful, so that was not an issue. But there might have been some hesitation because of the unknown, even though he knew he did not reveal that he knew. You know how sometimes you know something's going to happen, but you didn't want you don't really want to face it. So you do some things that try to put it off. And, 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 and Jesus was at this point, you know, where uh, he needed some encouragement. So here these guys are talking to him and the conversation, according to the Bible, the Bible says really clear what, what it says. It says in verse 31, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Oh, I love the scripture the way it says it. The, the, the wording says that he was going to Jerusalem 
to accomplish his death. That's not like somebody just saying, I'm sick and I think I'm about to die. No, he says, I'm going to accomplish. That means I'm going to fulfill or complete the ministry that was given to me. I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to reveal my glory to everyone. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to die. Amen. So the Bible says it was about his exodus or his impending death. And the Bible says that what they were talking about is not only his death, but they're talking about his resurrection and his ascension. Because, the, listen, it's not complete unless all three have been accomplished. He had to die. But death in itself was penalty. But he had to be raised up again because him dying does not accomplish anything for me because I'm still living. So when he was raised up again, then he raised me up with him so that we could both live. So he had to ascend back to heaven. So the Bible says that he brought us to heavenly places to sit with him. Amen. So the Bible goes on to teach us then that that uh, uh, this is called uh, what we like to refer to then as the ultimate exodus. In other words, I'm leaving. I'm going to do something for you on my way out. That's going to stay with you even after I'm gone. Hallelujah. That's good. That's good. So the Bible says then the word decease is exit. It means the going out, but it also means uh, a departure a going from this life. And the Bible says it is uh, similar to the children of Israel. The Bible says that these children of Israel, when they were in bondage to Egypt, that the Bible says they were not only in pain and humiliation, but the Bible also says that uh, they were, were, were experiencing a type of death. And the Bible says for a saint, it's the same way. It's going from a land of captivity because we are actually imprisoned in this earthly suit. But the Bible says we're going from a, a place of captivity to a place of plenty and freedom to a land of promise. Oh, thank God for his promise. The Bible says in the conversation says that that because Jesus was experiencing some pressure, uh, uh, the Bible teaches us that these two men were actually reminding Jesus that he was going to die not for himself, but for all the sins of all men for all time. Amen. So all generations were going to be blessed by his exodus. Now, here's the hard part. See, most of us understand death. We understand that the Bible teaches that when we die, we are actually separated from the body. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But in Jesus case, the Bible says he was actually being separated from God to be present in his body. So it's a lot harder when you look at it from that perspective. He needed to be strengthened inwardly and he needed to be strengthened spiritually. So the Bible says that he needed a special kind of encouragement. And that by the Bible teaches us that that kind of encouragement uh, uh, was from two men 
who have, had had the greatest faith and expectation of, of, of truth coming to pass of any men that ever lived. So here's what we say. When they spoke to him, they told him, you're going to free men from sickness, disease, from the penalty of death, from the devil and hell. Now, this is a hard job, but you qualify. Hallelujah. So Elijah then uh, stressed the prophecies and probably reminded Jesus of, of the things that had been said about him. Moses stressed the law and how the law had held those people all these years and kept them waiting. So now it was time for his presentation. So the word accomplished then or fulfilled means to complete. So our faith and our hope are realized in Christ. We are made complete in him. He is our deliverer or our exodus. He is our way out of the grip of sin and death. The devil can't hold you because Jesus died. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Bible says we can be free then in Christ and live abundantly and eternally just seeing Moses and Elijah standing there. We know that that is the fulfillment of everything. Remember, it was Jesus himself who said in Matthew chapter five and verse 15, he said this, uh, do not think that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. He said, uh, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So together they confirmed Jesus's mission. They were talking uh, uh, with the fulfillment of everything that our lives and their lives represented. So we're talking about the fulfillment that Christ bought when he decided that he would obey the father and go to the cross. Amen. So Jesus then uh, he fulfilled a sacrificial system, which is what Moses bought. Uh, and look at Ephesians chapter five, verse two and Revelations five and twelve. I'm not going to go through them right now. And the Bible says that he fulfilled the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. Now, Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse 15 spells it out this way. He said, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but it was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, because Jesus was able to go through that, then he was our example that we, too, can do exactly the same thing and yet not sin. Hallelujah. So here's what we learned so far. That Peter, James and John were there. Now, they were asleep. But for the most part, they missed most of the conversation. They did not fully understand what was taking place. They were in the presence of the Shekinah glory. And yet they only got a glimpse of what was going on. The Bible says that Peter, we know how Peter was, that Peter at this time was a little bit right and a little bit wrong. Kind of sounds like saints today, right? A little bit right. A little bit wrong. Amen. A little truth with a little error. Amen. So they thought that the kingdom had come. In other words, it's over. Okay. 
So they missed the significance of what God was showing them. Now, when you don't know the whole story, you might want to be quiet until you know. But, you know, that's not the nature of Peter. Amen. Peter's one of those people that he must speak. So what did Peter do? Peter said, Lord, it was good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles. In other words, let's memorialize this moment. Well, he was a little bit right. It was good for us to be here, but he was a little bit wrong. It's not good for us to stay here. Now, let me just share with you. All of us, like Peter, James, John, like Moses and Elijah, we all have those occasions where we have mountaintop experiences. But you can't live on the mountaintop. See, when you try to live on the mountaintop, here's what you do. You isolate yourself from the people that you're supposed to be ministering to. If you are too high where you can't reach them, it will be impossible for you to be able to give them the same word that God has given you. Amen. So they wanted to live in the mountaintop experience, but the people were in the valley and needed a savior. So you have to go down to where they are so you could bring them up. Anybody who wants to stay on the mountaintop will never have the pleasure of ministering to God's saints. Amen. The other thing that we do is we like to stay on the mountaintop so that we can really neglect what we know is going on in the valley. In other words, as long as we're on the mountaintop, things are okay. But we know that at some point in time, you know, it's kind of like being in church. Everything's okay while you're in church. But there comes a time that you got to get to the parking lot. Amen. Amen. And that's that, that's the hard part. Being, being with folk. Y'all, it reminds me of something. <laughs> you know how we're practicing in social distance? Uh huh. You know, uh, ain't nobody home but me and my wife, you know. She wants to practice social distance. I want to be unsocial. <laughs> Six feet kind of high. <laughs> oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the Bible says that we need to, to be disciplined enough to know that there are people who need what we have. So we have to go to where they are. You can't stay on the mountaintop. You can't live in the mountaintop experience. You have the experience so that you can then share that experience with those people who need it. Amen. So let's see if we can bring this thing to a conclusion. Now, uh, I don't say a speedy conclusion, but but we're going to try to conclude it. I tell you, reminds me of another story, y'all. You got me started here. <laughs> but I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try. To, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold that story. I'm gonna hold it. <laughs> There's another lesson here that I want you to see. 
And this is, uh, this, this lesson of transfiguration can be shared by us each and every day. The Bible says that there is a spiritual transfiguration every day as we walk with the Lord. If you notice that in scripture, there are two, words, uh, two passages that I want to call your attention to. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service down in the valley. And not be conformed to this world, but uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 says, uh, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So the Bible says that we can have a transfiguration because we have our minds renewed. The Bible says that we in second Corinthians three eighteen that we surrender our bodies, our mind and our will. And the Lord transforms us when we, are not conformed to the world. Let me say that one more time. The Lord then transforms us when we're not conformed to the world. So he works in us so that we can be a light or a mirror to the world. Now the word then becomes important because the word is that mirror that we're looking into to see the change coming in our lives. Now that change that we're talking about is a term a theological term that we call sanctification, mm -hmm. sanctification. It's the process by which we become more like Christ. This is the goal. This is what God has set aside for each one of his children, that we become more like him. Now, the Bible says that it is destined for each person to die. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27. And it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So our common experience and belief teaches us uh, that death is inevitable uh, and it's inevitable for every life. Now, here's what I'm concerned about. We know this. There's an appointment made for each one of us. We are going to have to die. If we're not, uh, if we don't die, we're going to at least be transformed. But the Bible says this, uh, we have this appointment, but after the appointment, there is a judgment. So why is it that mankind lives as though there were not going to be any judgment? Most people live their lives in such a way that they believe that all the unpleasantries of life, they can avoid them somehow. And then when the end comes, everything's going to be all right. That's not the way that it works. Death calls for each person. Jesus was willing to take his uh, like the son of God. In other words, he said, I know I'm doing this for someone else. But when death calls us, we each must give an account for how we live in this world.
Now, if you died today, could you honestly say that you lived the way that God called you to live? Now, that's an answer, a question that everybody's got to answer for themselves. Amen. Now, we can accept his suffering and death as payment for our sinful ways and be raised up with him today. But how many of us are willing to do that? Are you willing to change your lifestyle? Are you willing to suffer with him so that you can reign with him? Even in this time of social isolation, are you willing to pick up your Bible? Let's change that. Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow? See, the cross is an emblem of suffering. Are you willing to pick it up? And are you willing to carry it? Are you willing to carry it through some of your selfishness? Come on. Some of your sinfulness, some of your childlike behavior. Now, the Bible is very clear on this. You can enter into his suffering now and you can be raised with him today. And I'm speaking to all of you who are listening, who are tuned in. Are you willing to make the change today? Will you accept him today? I believe if you do, then you too can enter into his presence, just like Peter, James, and John. Amen. Now, as I conclude this today, I want to give everybody an opportunity to accept Jesus as Lord. I just want you to pray with me very simply. Doesn't take a lot of fanfare. And the great thing is that since you're sitting home now, you can do it right there from your bedroom, from your kitchen, from your living room, from your porch, from your beach house, on your boat. Amen. I just want you to say this with me. Say, Lord God, I humbly come to you with a heart of gratitude, thanking you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take away my sin so that I might have right standing with you. I now accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and I turn from my past sins to a renewed life in you through him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for accepting me as your child. Your word declares that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I would be saved. I have just made this confession. I have believed your word. Therefore, I believe that I can boldly confess. I am saved. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And I receive it now in Jesus name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you believe that, I want you hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, whatever those other things are that I don't know anything about. Contact us. Let us know that you prayed that prayer and we'll make contact with you so that we can get you into a great church. Amen. And I'm going to give you just a moment while uh, Minister Cohen